the Experience Darden Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'm excited to feature a conversation I recently recorded with Christy Julian. Christy is new to Darden. Uh, she, at the time of the recording of this podcast, was about one month into her new role as Assistant Dean for Global Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. And we sat down to talk a little bit more about her background, uh, what attracted her to the role here at Darden, uh, what she has enjoyed about the work so far, as well as her goals uh, for the coming months and years. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Christy Julian. Christy, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here. Thank you so much. All right. So tell us more about you. Who are you and what do you do here? Well, who I am, I think the way that I always like to define myself is uh, I am a native New Yorker, uh, originally from Long Island, born in Brooklyn, um, and spent most of my time and schooling and work up in New York until moving to Charlottesville about six years ago. I got a degree in mental health counseling and had worked as a recruiter for a little bit and decided to come down to find work where I could kind of combine those two things and have had a lot of experience in career counseling here at the University of Virginia for about six years. In the course of doing that work, I became very interested in diversity and inclusion, um, First, looking at it through the lens of how to get folks involved in STEM and then looking at it more broadly. And so I decided to come to the Darden School of Business because there was a new opening that was focusing specifically on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And that is what I do here. So I'm the brand new, newly minted assistant dean for global diversity, equity, and inclusion. And basically, (laughs) that's a long-winded way of saying that I want to safeguard and look after all of the diversity, equity, and inclusion stuff here at Darden for students, staff, faculty, and alumni. No small task. No small task, no. <laughs> so what attracted you to the role? Um, obviously, you know, you had a, long, a lot of experience. Um, a lot of the things that you've done sort of intersect in, in the role, but I'm curious, what, what attracted you to the role? Well, I think the one of the biggest draws for me was the people that I would get to work with. I read the position description and thought it sounded exciting and it sounded exactly where I wanted to be going in terms of my career. But you can only learn so much from a position description. When I interviewed and when I met um, my boss, Martin Davidson, who's our global chief diversity, equity and inclusion officer, I, I just kind of fell in love. I thought I cannot not work for this school at this time with these people on this project. I need to have it. Um, So that was a big part of it. And the other part of it was having an understanding of who people at Darden are, um, especially the students, just a really talented, driven, um, intelligent crop of folks. And the promise of being able to collaborate with uh, not only staff and faculty, but with students to drive initiatives forward was something that was incredibly satisfying and exciting. So that was another um, big driver uh, of the position for me. Well, one of the benefits of, of being the podcast, the host of the Experience Darden podcast is I get to talk to a lot of the students mm-hmm. about their experience. And I'm always so impressed. Uh, people come on here. I mean, 
It is incredible. I mean, such poise, um, so uh, thoughtful about so many different things. I mean, it obviously a great group to work with. Absolutely, it's it's a caliber of professionalism and just something that you would never expect. You understand it in uh, you understand it intellectually, but to experience it and to get to know the students and have conversations with them is basically to be inspired every day. And I think that is what everyone is looking for at work is that engine or that driver that's going to keep them engaged and inspired. And I think for me, um, that's definitely a big part of it. So one of the nice things about Darden is that it is a small school. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you think about, and obviously you're within the context of a much larger university, but Darden itself, 330 students per class or sure. something like that. And uh, think about the scale, you know, when you're trying to spark student initiatives or, you know, advance change or improve something. Feels very human. Like you, you can do that. Was that was that part of the appeal? That was part of the appeal, and and I will say that that is something that Darden has in common. Having come from Maine grounds to North grounds, that sense of student self governance and the ability that students have to craft their experience here and truly make it their own. There are obviously certain things that are baked into the Darden DNA that aren't going away, but the permutations and combinations that occur with each class and with each student body, that's something that's really interesting to see. So how long, I mean, remind me of what your first day was. My first day was on September 5th. So we're just past my month anniversary, um, And the first day was actually a a day-long meeting with uh, faculty and, and staff about the future of Darden and um, business education. Um, and so that was a real just great orientation for someone who has not worked in specifically a business school context before. So – how are you thinking about your job? You know, sometimes when new presidents come in, there's mm. the first 100 days yeah, sure. or, uh, you know, you feel like you know, some desire to have an immediate impact or to yeah. show something. How are you thinking about getting started? Because obviously the work that you do is both very big and then it's also, you know, quite, yeah. quite specific too. Well, I think that the way that I am thinking of it is that there are just some certain day-to-day logistical tasks that I want to get mastery of and that I'm kind of winding down that part of the position. And so there's a lot of how do you advise student groups and how do you ensure that they have what they need in order to launch and be successful. And the phase that Martin and I have transitioned into now is now starting to put together what does it look like strategically from a communication standpoint, from training and development for faculty and staff, and how do we start to string together all of the different initiatives that are happening in all the different places so that there's a cohesive forward momentum when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion at Darden. Um, And leveraging the things that work well. We have a amazing um, faculty and staff here who are dedicated and really wanting to create the 
best kind of environment for all students. Um, and so there are things that they do that work really well. I think of our student affairs folks who are just so in tune and able to coach and understand our students and have this nuance and insight. So how do we leverage that and make sure that it's something that is spread out across um, the Darden enterprise? If for, you know, the listeners, if they're interested, um, Martin has written a wonderful book called Leverage difference. And so it's his view on how diversity and inclusion works. And I think one of the central tenets of that is that, you know, you think specifically about the institution, you think specifically about the needs of of the institution, and you see what are those drivers or what are those things that can move it forward, because it's going to be a different solution uh, per institution. Um, a lot of really great wisdom and knowledge in that book, and I would encourage folks to, to seek it out. So you mentioned becoming passionate about diversity and inclusion at mm-hmm. an earlier juncture in, in your career, and obviously it, it's something you followed through. It's led, led uh, you to Darden. Um, what, was, what, what is exciting to you about, about this, this work? It's universal work. So my, my training is, is mental health counseling. Um, that's what my graduate degree is in. And so much of that work is about helping people through a particular personal problem. And so I have a competency around that that I'm fairly confident in. And the way that I see diversity and inclusion work is it's a manifestation of that kind of work. Except the problem that we're focusing on is is togetherness and how do we communicate and be with each other in a way that supports us all. So that is really exciting because it's all gray area. It's all interpersonal, thorny, imperfect, us being humans together stuff, which I think is, it's the fun stuff. Um, and it is the stuff that as I speak with alumni and as I speak to folks who have moved beyond um, and completed Darden, it's the stuff that carries through. And the more that we are comfortable in engaging and celebrating difference, the better we become interpersonally in our personal relationships and the better we are professionally as well. And so it just has such a broad application. You'll never get bored. Um, You'll never be done with uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion work. So I think that's the thing that's really exciting. Always learning. Well, you're certainly helping students build skills for life. I mean, obviously, this is something that they will carry with them into their careers. And it sounds iterative in nature. You continue to work and refine. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm also curious about your background in in mental health. Um, What what did... What did you enjoy about that work? Is it something that you stay in touch with even even to this day? I always had a weird kind of way of going about it. So prior to um, getting my degree in mental health counseling, I was a recruiter during the recession, uh, 2008-2009. And I noticed that a lot of the conversations that I had with clients were so based on personal values and just kind of existential questions of existence that were so tied in with career. And so that became my focus of what does it mean to find meaning? What are ways that you can go about that? How can you coach someone to manifest their best self? 
And so that's a thing that I'm always interested in. I'm a natural coach, a natural caretaker. And that's kind of something that I use the training that I had in any place that I find myself. And I keep in touch with it every day, right? It's something that you practice in every conversation because there are little things that you learn in the course of those kinds of programs that not a lot of people get to benefit from. Active listening, um, being able to have kind of this unconditional positive regard for those who you're working with, really working to understand what is happening underneath the layers um, and what is motivating people and, and trying to get at the core of, of what's underneath. So that that never goes away. And that's the way that I continue to engage with it. Now, those are incredible skills for someone who's working closely with students, right. particularly around the topics that you're working on, because right. uh, so much of the conversation has been about intersectionality, right? Mm-hmm. We're not just one thing. We're, we're many, many different things. Um, so you got to understand the whole person. Right, right. And that I think that there are very few outlets for most people where your holistic self is seen and appreciated and regarded. Um, and so there's the mechanistic part of it in terms of, well, what are the actual skills that allow that person to be seen? And then there's just the emotional part of it, which is, I see you, I hear you, and I honor your experience, and let's find a way to share that so that others can understand the, the true you. And I, and I think that's actually something that I didn't realize, uh, before coming to Darden. That's actually something that's inherent in that case method that the professors are using. When you sit in the classroom and you see people bringing their full self into that learning environment and sharing of themselves and learning together and having dialogues together, there's already a lot of practice in doing that that happens um, in that because Darden has that as an ethos. And so, you know, thanks. Thanks, Darden, <laughs> for already inculcating that behavior in students. And so now it's just making it um, more wide-ranging. Well, to your point about leveraging difference, uh, Darden certainly makes a lot of space for that in the classroom, right? Just learning about people and what your background and experience uh, how how you are different than your classmates, how their perspectives can enhance your learning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, there's already an opportunity. Yeah, it's um, – when I have observed classrooms and when I've talked to alumni, the thing that I hear all the time is I'm so appreciative of my section mates or my classmates because – they just give me these aha moments or they just spark um, inspiration or make me say, oh, I never would have thought of that in that way before. That's a theme that keeps coming up for current students, for alumni. And so um, because people are in that space where they're ripe to be inspired, that's inspiring for me to think of what are those little places where I can start to plant the seed or nudge or communicate um, the same kind of feeling around diversity, equity, and inclusion. So you mentioned just celebrating your month anniversary here. My month anniversary. Yeah. So yes. we're, for those of you who are wondering, we're recording this in early October. Oh, yes. um, and, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm curious about, you know, you probably had some exposure to Darden before coming here. Yeah. You probably met some Darden people. Yes. But how do you, you know, get the lay of the land? How do you go about learning about a, a new school? I'm sure this is interested, interesting to some of our prospective students out there. Well, I think that the 
best way to do it is is truly through um, immersion. I embarked and still am embarking on, on what I'm calling a listening tour. And so making as many meetings with um, uh, faculty and staff as I can, attending the exec board meetings for a lot of the student groups here, um, meeting individually with students. My calendar is an open book and I invite students to put time uh, on it. And when you invite Darden students to do something, they do something. And so having a lot of great one-on-one conversations with, with students, for me, it's, um, that act of, of dialogue. And it's also the fact that there are very few closed doors here, which was a surprise for me. Um, People are constantly inviting you to sit in on a class or go to this particular meeting or go to this executive uh, MBA format uh, or sorry, executive education um, that they are teaching or to come to a meeting. There's just a lot of invitation that happens. And so you become a yes person and that allows you to uh, really start to fold into the ether here. Um, and I think that that you kind of have to work really hard to build a wall around yourself at, at Darden. There's always some one or some offering that will kind of pull you into the, the mix. Um, and so that would be the way that I've started to go about it. And I think for anyone that's, that's new, that's, that's coming here, um, there's also a lot of thought given into a good start and what that looks like and how to launch people in a meaningful, thoughtful way that inspires connections. Um, the other thing, you know, so I'm thinking about it from the staff side, thinking about it from the student side. I think from the student side, a lot of people really depend on their learning teams to create that sense of bonding or that sense of, hey, we're in this together. Um, and so I've heard a lot of, of positive feedback about the care and the thoughtfulness um, by which those teams are put together. And you get your section two, another another part of uh, identity for for first year students. Yes, I think that's one of the things that I didn't know about when I came here. Huh. Um, uh, uh, that the section is such an important, you know, there's so much esprit de corps and like, gosh, culture, subculture. Um, they have T-shirts and colors and mascots and and norms. competition. <laughs> and I went to a cricket tournament this past Saturday that the sections were participating in and it was intense. I so each section has a color and I inadvertently just just wore a color because it was clean. It was in my closet and that color looks good on me. And then a student walked up to me and said, um, you're wearing the wrong color. And I quickly just like closed my jacket. Don't want to take sides. I just want to let you all play your cricket game. And that's it. I'm, I'm neutral. <laughs> I'm, you know, taking no sides here. Um, but that, that gels so quickly. That gels so quickly, um, and it's cool to see it manifest in, in fun ways like that. Yeah, the Darden Cup is a, is a great example yes. of, you know, people do wonder about the, the experience of being here. And, and the school, maybe unlike some other schools, is both the home of your sort of academic experience, but also the root of your social experience, mm-hmm. too. Uh, it makes it different than, than some other business schools, particularly those in, in large urban areas where maybe a little bit more transactional than that. Yeah, and as someone, my... Um my own educational experience was uh, I'm originally from New York, so I went to NYU and I went to Fordham. 
Um, and that's something that struck me uh, about Darden for sure is people actually like their experience here. And, and I have to say that given my own experience with my own alma maters, it's very difficult to understand how you can have this positive, generative experience with, with the institution. My own experience was very much, here's, here's your money, give me my degree, and never darken my door again. And that is not at all the case here in, like, very engaged alumni, very passionate about what this place means to them and how it changes their lives. And not just the name, right, trading on a wonderful name and a well-ranked school, but the fact that they make friends for life here and that they transform here. Um, and so I think that that is I don't know. I wish I had that <laughs> when I was uh, when I was going through my own schooling. Well, you could do our executive MBA program. I could. I'm going to throw very, that out there. Very true. Very uh, true. I'd say that as the director of admissions for the executive MBA program, <laughs> we can talk about that later. Um, so, your role is, is as, as we've talked about, you know, has a lot of lot to it. So, how are you thinking about, you know, what it would mean to be successful in your role? I realize it's a very broad question, yeah. but it's got to be on your mind. It absolutely is on my mind, and the first thing that comes to mind and something that we're working pretty hard on is trying to create some sort of dashboard um, and really trying to nail down the key metrics that we think speak to those um, efforts around diversity, equity, and inclusion. So from an admissions perspective, understanding what is that demographic makeup of the school and what levers can we move on that. From an equity perspective, thinking about access and thinking about how we can support students in um, being able to uh, travel or go to conferences or, or be able to just Again, access those things that they need in order to um, be successful. And then from an inclusion standpoint, thinking about, you know, how do people engage with each other and how do we measure that and what do they say about that? Um, and so there are already things that are in place and it's just a matter of how do we tweak them? How do we put them together to tell that full story um, so that we have this, this 360 degree view of what it looks like here? So that's that's kind of my new obsession right now is the operationalization of what I, of, of that gray area um, because there are so many ways to to get at it and so many little things that it can do on behalf of students on behalf of professional staff to start and create a culture around measuring or thinking about it. Um, so, so uh, a ve very good question, one that, you know, not only you would ask, but anyone that I'm talking to, they're kind of trying to think, well, how do you know? Mm -hmm. um, how do you know if it's working or if it's not working? Um, and the only way is to, it's, it's kind of like a science. You think about what the objectives are, how to operationalize it, how to measure it, and then how to report it. Um, and so that's kind of the stage that we're, that we're at now. That's, that's very exciting. I would say from an admissions standpoint, uh, we are looking for students who value difference. Mm -hmm. um, this year, we added an essay uh, that specifically focused on diversity uh, and references the university's diversity uh, statement. Uh, Darden, we now have a diversity pledge, which is exciting. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to, to be here for that for one Darden week. Um, incredible. Yeah. Um, talk about a student-led sort of initiative. Exactly. Um, and so... 
the experience here only works if you're curious about other people and, and you acknowledge um, with humility mm-hmm. that you have much to learn from everybody else in your class. And That's it, a, another book, isn't it? Humility is the New Smart. Yeah, that's yeah. right, Ed Hess. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, I think we, we wanted people to know that up front in the admissions process because um, it it's a critical value here. And we're trying to grow leaders and not, not just leaders of some people. Leaders of, that can really speak to everyone right. and, and to understand other people's perspectives and have that kind of empathy and, and awareness. And I think it's made a difference in engaging with the diversity conference um, this past weekend. I don't know what weekend it will be for the listeners. Um, <laughs> a lot of students were asking about it. They said, we noticed this is distinct compared to other places where we've applied. And what is the provenance of that question? And so how do you then carry through? this question that you're asking into the culture, into the classroom and beyond. Um, I think priming is something that's really important and something like that primes the pump for for what we value and what we want our community to look like. It's a great point because you can't just ask about it in the application and then it never matter again. Right. 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 You have to if you're willing if you're willing to make it that important and to elevate it to you know one of the short answer the short answer questions in your application, then there has to be thought and care about mm-hmm. the expression of that when students actually matriculate. They're here yeah. and what that looks like, and, and that's uh, that's your that's your work. That's everybody's work, <laughs> right? That's right. Um, so it sounds like. You found a very willing coalition here uh, around diversity and inclusion and equity. You know, it must be nice to 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 do this kind of work in, in a place where people care about all these issues. Absolutely, and and you know, I, I'm not going to be Pollyanna-ish about it. There's always going to be your preaching to the choir, and there's also going to be your more heavy lifts. But I think that um, the thing that has seemed to be true is that when it is something that is a passion of the students, when it is something that is deeply held value of the students, then the institution just makes way and makes room for that, um, which is not always the case <laughs> in a lot of places and um, means that there's a lot of, of power and a lot of promise in what the students bring to to the table. And, and so I'm here to kind of shepherd and guide and maintain the energy and maintain the flow of that direction. Um, yeah, because we have a lot of folks who are who are on board. Well, you think about just what it means to be a student at the University of Virginia in terms of student self-governance mm-hmm. and the traditions and how much how much students own of the experience here. Um, certainly true at the Darden School. I also think the school is uniquely well positioned for the sort of moment that's happening in MBA education right mm. now. I'm curious your thoughts on this. So uh, we have a lot of prospective students who are saying, yes, I'm interested in MBA, but I'm also – these are my values. Uh, this is the kind of impact I would like to have. I, I'm interested in a good job, but I don't just care about making money. I, I want there to be the uh, substance to what – real substance in terms of its value to society. Um, it feels like Darden is a place that cares about these kind of yeah. questions. Yeah, it's it's all about the why <laughs> at the end of the day. And I think that that is something that is a common thread of conversation and, and something that I think all faculty are encouraging and, and students are encouraging of each other. What is my why? What is the purpose? How do I turn into a leader? 
when I first spoke with the dean and first coming into this position, he said something that I that really struck me, which is that Darden is a leadership factory, and leadership doesn't have a, a clear footprint. It's more like a fingerprint, right? And so what is that fingerprint of leadership? How are you going to um, affect change and make your mark um, and ensure that you kind of create that legacy? I think that's something that a lot of folks um, who walk through these halls are, are interested in. They're not... They're not just, it's not transactional, as you said before. It really is about um, creating the conditions for moving change forward and and understanding the why. Um, and so I think that there's a lot of things that are happening here between the, and I might get this wrong, IBIS, um, Institute for Business. IBIS, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, in society um, and thinking about how our folks are doing a lot of really amazing research um, that is looking at, you know, what is the role of, of business? I think that this is a place that is open to that dialogue and has thought leaders who are geniuses who are able to engage in that dialogue in a way that I, I don't think others are. Um, and that's just also, again, part of the DNA of being um, in the University of Virginia, that sense of, of excellence in, in thought and excellence in, in practice um, is a theme that carries throughout all of grounds, North grounds and central grounds. You're right that uh, leadership seems very abstract to people. Mm -hmm. You know, if I we were sitting here talking about finance, so people are like, oh, I, I don't right. know what that is. But leadership, there's so many things that go into yeah. it. Uh, I, I was struck in this. Uh, not too much about di digression, I don't think. So on the Exec MBA podcast. Um, Talked to you know. I first showed up and started having these conversations with students. I kept expecting them to talk about this technical stuff. Hmm. You know, what was the value of the program to them? Yeah. And they invariably came to things like self awareness, um, my ability to communicate with others. Uh, you know, my understanding of how yeah, I'm perceived. Mm -hmm. uh, it's you know, you, you do an MBA program, and I, and I think I, I had sort of undervalued that. But yeah. if you're leading teams, if you're managing others, if if you are if you are desiring to be a leader what a what a tremendous skill Absolutely. that is it, it's a critical it's a make or break kind of a skill um because that's what it all boils down to um and i love that that sense of of self-awareness um and the thing that that we talk about a lot in the diversity equity and inclusion space is intent versus impact um and so what are you doing um, in order to create good ripple effects um, in the world? And I think that, yeah, that's that's a critical, critical um, area that all managers should be thinking of and looking at. So you mentioned about how you're trying to operationalize a lot of a lot of the work and the, and the questions you're thinking about. Um, what are what are you most looking forward to in the next next few months? Uh, I'm sure you've got some things on on the horizon. We do. I, I was just uh, speaking with some student leaders this morning about wanting to create some trainings um, for students at at Darden around just kind of simple 
tweaks and simple things that they can do to, to create more inclusive environments. Um, there are a few, um, so we have uh, International Pronouns Day coming up. And so working with um, students there to create a suite of programming um, on the day and in the weeks following that focus in that area and being able to educate the community uh, at large. Um, there's also a few things that we're looking at in terms of working with our alumni. And so I also chair our um, Dean's Diversity Advisory Council. And so a really dedicated group of alumni who are looking for ways to interact and intersect with um, what's going on here at Darden and offering their expertise back to the school. And so thinking through what our year is going to look like and working with alums. So those are right now the things that I'm most excited about. I'm also um, really excited about thinking about communication and spreading the word, um, so to speak. So how to leverage social media and how to leverage um, communication channels that students and staff and faculty use in order for there to be a constant flow or a voice that focuses on, on DNI. So those are things that I'm focused on right now. Well, it's a great, great point about sort of constant flow or just, you know, routinely hearing from, right. you know, we're, we're working on this. This is important um, to our earlier, you know, conversation about follow through, you know, once people get here. Uh, it just can't be a, a quarterly thing or a once a year thing. Right. It, it needs to be a regular thing. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting because I started after our one Darden week, um, which is our week that really focuses on um, all kinds of intersectional identities and what that looks like in terms of business or being here at Darden. Um, and the thing that I keep thinking in the back of my head is we're going to start with one Darden week, but soon it's going to be one Darden quarter, one Darden semester, one Darden year, you know, like uh, it, it just, it won't ever end. It won't pop up and, and pop down. And, and so what are the ways that we can just kind of keep daisy chaining and um, making those connections consistently throughout the year? So, Christy, you've been in Charlottesville for a while now, if I understand, your, if I'm hearing your story correct. Yes. Uh, so, um, you know, many of our prospective students, uh, most of them are not in Charlottesville, um, and most of them live in large urban areas. Uh, we do a lot of recruiting in D.C. and New York and out on the West Coast and any number of points in between. Uh, what would you want somebody who's maybe listening to this podcast, sitting in New York, a uh, place, that, place that you know well, what would you want that person to know about Charlottesville? Um, I would say that this is actually a, a hidden gem. And if you've spent, like I had most of your time in a large urban area kind of working in that context, um, this is definitely something to consider. It's, it's worth considering the change. For me, my journey around diversity, equity, and inclusion, I don't think it really caught fire or sparked until I moved here, um, until I engaged with difference in a way that I had not um, in New York. I'd sort of taken it for granted. Um, but something that occurred for me here and that I think has occurred for other students is that you really have a grounding sense of your own identity. Um, you understand it in a sophisticated way that you might not have understood it before. Um, and you also really just get to engage with um, folks that you never would have had the opportunity to engage with if you kind of stayed in the big city bubble. Um, and so when my friends visit me down here, um, they're always kind of struck by, they're struck by the, the 
quaintness and the peacefulness of it, but they're also struck by the sophistication that exists here in terms of the conversations around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I think that that is a progression that I have seen since moving here six years ago that is only going on an upward trajectory um, and something that I think can be really formative if you give it the chance and if you explore it and not just kind of write it off um, as I as I was prepared to before I moved here. And And I'm really glad that I did not. So. One of the things I think we enjoy as admissions committee members and certainly is, is the progression of the of the sort of student questions and experience. So mm-hmm. when we meet prospective students many times in, in large large cities, uh, Charlottesville is really, really on their mind. Uh, it, it's uh, kind of very different than the other schools they may be considering. Uh, they may have lived their whole lives in these large urban centers. And so, man, this is going to be different. And then they get here as students and they graduate as alumni and like – Can't wait to come can't back. Can't wait to come back. Uh, just <laughs> Love being here. It's it's because I, I mean there's so many different reasons why, but I just think it's an easy place to be a student in in some ways, right? So your quality of life is quite high. You have the opportunity to focus on school. Um, it's relatively inexpensive compared to some of these other places, mm-hmm. and it's, it's it's a small school, right. but yet you get the benefits of a large large university. Right, right. It's. Uh I think it's a place that simultaneously allows you the room to grow and to change and to develop while also it doesn't cut you off completely from what's happening on a global level in terms of both intellectually and in terms of information, you still are able to to feed from that pump. Um, but you also have that kind of paradoxical support of having a close-knit community. It's really unique. Um, and I think it's it's positive um, for the students that that go here because they they get the best of both worlds. Well, I, you know, I, I think about all the great speakers that come to the university, and, and certainly we have a speaker series here at the mm-hmm. Darden School, uh, all the cultural events that happen, the Virginia Festival of the Book. Uh, later this month in October will be the Virginia Film, Film Festival. Festival. Oh, uh, yes. the, the kickoff uh, opening night is Just Mercy, which is the adaptation of the Brian Stevenson book. Uh, star, stars Michael B. Jordan, which mm-hmm. um, I do not know if he's coming, but there's, there's a I, I hope that he might Let's might just be say here. he's coming, because that's <laughs> <laughs> the reality that I want to live in. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, um, you know, and there's many other great movies that are that are being shown. I mean, there's just a lot that that's happening here. It's culturally a very very rich place. Um, punches above its weight for sure. Yeah, it definitely does in a in a way that a lot of people find very surprising. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Well, Chrissy, we're so glad you're here. Um, thank you for joining thank us you. on the podcast. And obviously, you've got a full plate and ex- exciting months ahead of you. But, um, you know, thank you for the work that you're doing. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And that was my conversation with Christy Julian, Assistant Dean for Global Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion here at Darden School. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at Darden, at Virginia. And until next time, thanks for listening.